our gospel. Our gospel today, as well as the first reading, are both in the virtue of humility. So I'm going to speak about humility. First of all, setting the scene for this wedding banquet in which Jesus raises this issue of humility. Jesus goes to the home of a leading Pharisee. He's some kind of a head honcho kind of guy, an important guy. People come to his home. They've been invited, obviously, to come to his home. And they come to the home and they're jockeying for a place at the table. Who's going to sit where? It's kind of important to them. Think of, um, I don't know, your place of business. And uh, you've got the boss, but then you're thinking, well, maybe one day I'll be the boss, or I really want to be number two behind the boss, or whatever. And it's kind of in, in our minds this idea of, of uh, wanting to promote ourselves or, or to advance ourselves in some way. So in this context, Jesus tells them about taking the lower seat. He says, listen, listen, guys, stop trying to impress me. You don't know it, but I'm God. I know exactly who you are, right? So you all just try to take the lowest place, all right? And then the, the guy who's in charge here, he will let you know where you should be sitting, etc. But what you don't want to do is embarrass yourself by taking a high place, and then the, the host has to ask you to, to move down and to have somebody else come up. Then you'll be really embarrassed. But it's getting to this greater point of the virtue of humility, When we hear the virtue of humility, I think that most of us think of the virtue of meekness. I'm going to look that up real fast here. Meekness is is a virtue that's neither defiant, I mean oppositional, nor compliant, where I'm just going to go along with the flow. But it's, it's a virtue that's sensitive enough, or the person is sensitive enough to be pliant or flexible in a relationship for a greater good. So it's like with meekness... We come into this place trying to sense the other and where they're at and trying not to harm or do any damage, entering into that relationship or working through that relationship or relationships, etc., for some greater good. That's meekness. All right. What Jesus is kind of describing here is meekness. Be sensitive to where others are or to the feelings of others, etc., and for the greater good, try to work with that. All right. What we have in our mind when it comes to humility is the opposite, pride. This is sort of a a self-promotion. So pride is just simply selfish. We say that pride is is the, the queen of all of the vices, that kind of all of the vices in a way flow out of pride. It's just simply because pride is the embodiment of selfishness. And all vice and all sin comes out of selfishness in some way. So, what happens here is, in some rare cases, maybe I don't think it was so rare in centuries past, but in our time, uh, you might have people who want to promote themselves very obviously uh, over and above other people. That's kind of rare. In our day and age, we think people like that to be uncouth and rude, and and nobody sort of likes that kind of person, etc., But there's another kind of selfishness, and this is one that I think we overlook all the time. And it's the selfishness that says, you know, I don't want to do that thing. Because I don't know, I just don't want to do it, or somebody else wants to do it, or somebody else is more talented. I'm I'm not going to do that. That's pride too. That too is selfishness. So in the end, our Lord is calling us all to be variably at different times leaders and followers. If we're going to be a leader, we better be, we better be wise, and we better be courageous, and we better be strong. 
wise to know what to say and to do, courageous to go against what's popular, and strong to endure the criticism. That's what's going to happen to a leader. I exhibit A. But God also calls us to be followers. And what does that mean? That means we have to be meek. We have to be obedient, even when we don't agree. And we have to be persevering, not quit. And generally speaking, we don't really want to be either of those two options. Again, we just want to be selfish and just serve ourselves in our own little hidden way sort of thing. But our Lord can see through that. He sees all things. And this is where humility comes in. Humility is that virtue by which we can truly see ourselves as God sees us. So looking in a mirror, except on the other side, we see exactly what our talents are and what our inabilities are, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. And we own it. And we own it. So as I look into the mirror, I see, I've got a talent for communication. I've got a talent for perseverance. I've got a talent for whatever, all kinds of different things. The Lord wants me to lead. But Lord, I don't want to lead. I don't want to be the guy out there. I don't want to be, no, I want you to lead. So humility would see that and then acknowledge it. Likewise, the other is, I don't have the talent. I am in a job that I really, I don't have the talent for it. Uh, You know, maybe I need to be honest about that. Or that I've got this weakness, this addiction, this bad habit that's tearing me down. And I need to own it. I need to own it. And then I need to start working on it, getting counseling, etc. to overcome it. Or I've been unfair in some way with a spouse or my parents or something. And I need to see it and own it. That's humility. That's humility. At the end of this parable that our Lord is speaking about today, he gets to a second virtue, though. And this is one that I think I pretty much missed every time I've read it, except when I was read it this time, because I had already figured out that we need this other virtue to really truly be humble. To see who we really are and to own the responsibilities that come with who we really are. And it's this. The very end, Jesus says, Rather, when you hold a banquet, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Well, what's that virtue? That virtue is called charity. And a person can't be truly humble or act on the virtue of humility without charity, without love. Because in truth, if we're really truly humble we'll see the responsibility that lay before us because of that humility, and then we'll act on it. But why are we acting on it? For love of God and neighbor, charity. We're not acting on it because it makes us feel good. Yeah, I just, I don't, I mean, let's say I knew for sure that my homily today was no good. It was no good. None of you would like it. After Mass, I would want to hide, all right? I still have to give it. Still have to give it. There I am. Doesn't feel good at all to give it. You don't feel good at all to hear it. And there it is for all of us, except I'm the one who endures the, that wasn't very good kind of thing. But there's nothing I can do about it. Why would I do it anyway? For charity, for love, love of God, love of you. Charity is really hard, isn't it? It's really hard to own leadership when we don't want to be the leader. 
I'll give an example that applies to none of you. Let's say you think, I think a parish picnic is a great idea. I don't like them myself, so I don't want to go myself, but I think it's a great idea for those who do like it. And then the pastor says, all right, but I need you to lead it. I need you to facilitate it and make sure it happens. Me, you know, somebody else, please, I don't want to do it. Why don't you want to do it? Because I'm a selfish, lazy person. That's the reason, you know, which gets back to charity, which gets back to love, that I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it because I know so many others will get something good out of it. And in living that way, the Lord will reward me. As Jesus says, we will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So in order for humility to really bear fruit, there has to be charity. There has to be a willingness to sacrifice and suffer for who it is that we really truly are. And to live out the calling that Christ has called us to in who we really truly are. I finish with this. You know, when the Blessed Virgin Mary appears, she appears in Fatima, she appears at Lourdes, she appears to Medjugorje, she's appeared many other times in the world. As you read through Marian apparitions, you'll see this one thing that keeps coming through over and over and over. She's appearing to children. Why not to the learned? Why not to the priests and the bishops? Why not to the adults? Why to the children? I've always loved kids. I've always loved pets and and animals. I've always kind of wondered, why do I love children and animals? And a few years ago, it dawned on me. Because they're absolutely authentic. They just who are they are. So after Mass, this little two-year-old at the end of the 8.30 Mass was showing me his new shoes. He was so proud of his new little shoes. And I was proud for him, kind of thing. And and then he said, we're going to go get donuts now. And I was happy for him there. And then on leaving, he turned and said, and we'll get you one too. He is just his little self. Just everything, this is who I am, just radiating out. Same thing with animals. They can't help but be their nature. Cat, dog, bird, whatever it is, cow. They just are what they are. And there's something about that authenticity, about that humility, that makes you appreciate them. Makes you want to be with somebody who's that humble. And that's where God can break through. So the Blessed Virgin Mary bids us the children. Because there's no mask yet. There's no persona, which is the Greek word for mask, where we get personality, which develops and it becomes a self-defense mechanism. So now I'm not going to tell you what I'm really thinking or what I'm really feeling, etc. I'm going to leave you guessing the sort of thing so I can protect myself. That isn't there yet. It's not developed fully yet. And so God can still break through. And when God does break through with these children, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, she doesn't ever say to any of them, and now you're going to be so happy for the rest of your life. Every one of them is going to serve the Lord. And there's going to be many tears. There's going to be great sacrifices. But what Mary says to Bernadette is, I do not promise you happiness in this life, but I promise you happiness in the next life. But Bernadette, I need you to be humble, and I need you to be charitable. If you're those two things, God will do amazing things through you. Even though you're going to live a hidden life in a convent, God will do amazing things through you. And in the next life, you'll be happy.